What is Truth? 9-11 Written by Greg Fernandez Jr. Narrated by Ryan Barry 9-11-2001 American Airlines Flight 11 On September 11, 2001, American Airlines Flight 11 was scheduled to leave Logan International Airport in Boston at 7.59 a.m and arrive at Los Angeles International Airport at 11.55 a.m. The flight crew consisted of two pilots, John Agonoski and co-pilot Thomas McGinnis, and nine flight attendants. John Agonoski was a pilot of the United States Air Force during the Vietnam War and joined America Airlines in 1978. Co-pilot Thomas McGinnis served in the United States Navy from 1981 to 1989. McGinnis's wife, Cheryl, called him a Top Gun trained fighter pilot in the Navy. If anything ever happens to me, McGinnis once told his wife, you must trust God. God will get you through this. Just surround yourself with loving people, people who know Christ, people who will surround you in Christ-like love. Separately, Steve Schneibner tried to schedule himself as the co-pilot for the September 11th flight out to Logan International. So at about 3 o'clock in the afternoon on September 10th, said Schneibner, I sat down at the computer and I logged in like I normally do to check to see if there was an unassigned flying for the next day. And sure enough, there was one trip that was available on September 11th. It was American Airline Flight 11. I go back and I check to see if there's any reserve pilots available. Now I know I'm available, but there might be some other guys available. And it just so happened on September 11th, 2001. There was only one guy available to go flying on that day. And that was me. I told my wife, So I'm going to Los Angeles tomorrow. Schneidner and his wife prepared for the flight the next day. American Airlines was supposed to contact Mr. Schneidner to confirm that he would be a co-pilot for Flight 11. I waited for the phone call, Schneidner stated, and the phone never rang, which is not completely unusual. It's not the norm, but it's not completely out of the question either. In fact, I didn't even think about it for a while. Schneidner also stated that Thomas McGinnis was celebrating his birthday on September 10th with his wife and his children, and Tom did what I did that afternoon. About 3 o'clock in the afternoon, he went over to the computer and he logged in, and he looked at it and he saw that the flight was open, and my name had been penciled in, and he knew he was still in the 30-minute window of opportunity. So Tom called down to the American Airlines. 20 minutes, and because of his seniority, Thomas McGinnis replaced Steve Schneibner as the co-pilot of American Airlines Flight 11. There were 81 passengers on board the Boeing 767 commercial airplane, including the five hijackers, Wal al-Sharir, seat 2A, Walid al-Sharir, seat 2B, and Muhammad Atta, seat 8D, Abdul Aziz Amari, seat 8G, and Saddam al-Suqwami. Seat 10B. According to the 9-11 Commission's report, Muhammad Atta and Abdullah Abziz El-Omari aborted the 6 a.m. flight from Portland to Boston's Logan International Airport. When he checked in for the flight in Boston, the report continued, Atta was selected by the computerized pre-screening system known as CAPS, Computer Assisted Passengers Pre-Screening System, created to identify passengers who should be subject to special security measures. Under security rules in place at the time, the only consequence of Ada's selection by CAPS was that in checking bags were held off by the plane until he was confirmed that he had boarded the aircraft. 
At 6.45 a.m., Muhammad Atta and Abdul Aziz El-Almari arrived at Boston's Logan International Airport at 6.52 a.m. The 9-11 Commission believed that Muhammad Atta took a call from Marwin Al-Shahi and a longtime colleague who was in another terminal at Logan Airport. They spoke for three minutes. After two members of the hijacking team were selected for a cab screening, Atta and his team boarded Flight 11 sometime between 7.31 a.m. and 7.40 a.m. The cab screening of Satam al-Sukwami, Wali al-Sharir, and the Wali al-Shari only affected the handling of their checked bags, not their screening at the checkpoint. Wali Chari and his brother Whale both sat in the second row of the first-class cabin, while Ada and Amari and Sukwami were seated in the business-class cabin. At 7.59 a.m. on September 11, 2001, American Airlines Flight 11 departed from Logan International Airport in Boston, Massachusetts. Boston's air traffic control's last communication with Flight 11, Captain John Agonowski, was at 8.13 a.m. At 8.14 a.m., the air traffic controller identified in the Flight 11 transcripts as 46R told Captain Agonowski, AAL-11, to increase the altitude of the airplane to 35,000 feet. There was no response from Flight 11. Several more attempts to reach the pilot were unsuccessful. Another air traffic controller, identified as 38R, had a brief exchange with the air traffic controller, 46R. This is Athens, 38R radioed in. This is Boston, 46R responded. I turned American 20 left, and I was going to climb him. He will not respond to me now at all. Looks like he's turning right, 38R responded. Yeah, I turned him 20 right, but I'm not talking to him. He won't answer you, 38R added. He's Nordo. Nordo simply meant that the Flight 11 was flying without a radio. At 8.21 a.m., air traffic control could not see Flight 11 on their radar. The airplane's transponder was turned off. An airplane's transponder sign is used for radar identification for the air traffic control, as well as to avoid collisions with other aircraft. 46R continued to try and contact Flight 11 until 8.24 a.m., when Muhammad Atta addressed the passengers on the airplane for the first time, possibly unaware his voice was heard by the air traffic control instead of by the passengers on board. We have some planes, said Atta. Just stay quiet and you'll be okay. We are returning to the airport. Seconds later, Ada spoke again. Nobody move. Everything will be okay. If you try to make any moves, you'll endanger yourself and the airplane. Just stay quiet. Daniel Lewin, who served in the Israeli Defense Forces for four years, was seated one row behind Mohammed Ada in the business class. Lewin was the founder of the Akami Technologies, which today describes itself as the global leader in content delivery network, CDN Services making the internet fast, reliable, and secure for its customers. The company's advanced web performance, mobile performance, cloud security, and media and media discovery solutions are revolutionizing how business optimizes consumers, enterprise, and entertainment experiences for any device anywhere. Daniel Lewin was one of the ones Daniel Lewin was one row behind Ada and Amari, seated directly behind Lewin was another one of the hijackers. Saddam al-Sukwami, the 9-11 commissioner, stated Lewin was probably stabbed by al-Sukwami. The 9-11 commissioner report also claimed that some of the hijackers, most likely Wali al-Shahir and Walid al-Shahiri, who were seated in row two in first class, 
stabbed the two unarmed flight attendants who would have been preparing for the cabin service. We do not know exactly how the hijackers gained access to the cockpit. FAA rules require that the doors remain closed and locked during flight. Betty Ong speculated that they had jammed their way in. The commission, unsure of how terrorists entered the cockpit, concluded that the hijackers quickly gained control and sprayed mace pepper spray or some other irritants in the first-class cabin in order to force the passengers and flight attendants towards the rear of the plane. They claimed they had a bomb. Flight attendant Betty Ong made her first call to help at 8.19 a.m. The cockpit's not answering, she told Vanessa Minter, who worked at the American Airlines Southeastern Reservation Office in Cary, North Carolina. Somebody's stabbed in business class, and um, I think there's a mace that we can't breathe. I don't know. I think we're getting hijacked. Asked what flight she's on, Betty Ong first responded, Flight 12. American Airlines Operations Center asked several times, What seat are you in? Eventually, Ong responded, Well, we just left Boston. We're up in the air. We're supposed to go to L.A., and the cockpit's not answering. Their phone. Again, she was asked, What seat are you sitting in? What's the number of your seat? Okay, I'm in jump seat right now at 3R, Ong responded. Operations centers then asked if she was in a flight attendant. Hello, Betty asked. You may have to speak up. I can't hear you. The operations center then asked, What is your name? Okay, my name is Betty Ong. I'm number three on flight 11, and the cockpit is not answering their phone, and there's somebody stabbed in business class, and there's... We can't breathe in business class. Somebody got mace or something. I'm sitting in the back. Somebody's coming back from business class. If you can hold on for one second, they're coming back. Our number one got stabbed. A pursuer is stabbed. Nobody knows who stabbed who. And we can't even go to the business class right now because nobody can breathe. Our number one is stabbed right now. And who else is? And our number five. Our first class passengers are galley flight attendant and our pursuer have been stabbed. And we can't get in the cockpit. The door won't open. The voice of Nidia Gonzalez American Airlines Riley Reservation Center Operations Specialist, is then heard. This is operations. What flight number are we talking about? The operations center then answered, Flight 12. Betty responded, No, we're on Flight 11 right now. This is Flight 11. Boston to Los Angeles. Our number one had been stabbed, and our number five had been stabbed. Betty then asked someone on Flight 11, Can anybody get up to the cockpit? Can anybody get up to the cockpit? We can't even get into the cockpit, Betty told Nidia Gonzalez. We don't know who's up there. A male voice from Operations Center then said, Well, if they were shrewd, they would keep the door closed and they would not maintain a sterile cockpit. I think the guys are up there, Betty answered. They might have gone there, jammed their way up there or something. Nobody can call the cockpit. We can't even get inside. Nidia Gonzalez then called the American Airlines emergency line and spoke with Craig Marquis informing him of what was happening in the Flight 11. I'm monitoring a call in which Flight 11, the flight attendant, is advising her reps and the pilot everyone's been stabbed. They can't get into the cockpit from what I'm hearing. Gonzalez will still be on a separate line with Betty Ong, she told Marcus. The emergency line operator then asked Gonzalez, Okay, and she's calling how? Through reservation, I can go in the line and ask the flight attendant question. The number five flight attendant has been stabbed, but she seems to be breathing. The number one seems to be stabbed pretty badly. She's lying down on the floor. They don't know whether she's like conscious or not. The other flight attendants are in the back. It seems like the passengers and coach might not be aware of what's going on right now. 
the emergency line operator asked. These two passengers were from first class? Gonzalez then asked Betty, Do you know any information as far as the gents, the men that are in the cockpit with the pilots? Were they from first class? Gonzalez relayed what Betty told her. They were sitting in 2A and B. They are in the cockpit with the pilots. According to the 9-11 Commission report, at 8.25 and again at 8.29, flight attendant Amy Sweeney got through to the American Flight Service office in Boston, but was cut off after she reported someone was hurt aboard the flight. Three minutes later, Sweeney was reconnected to the office and began relaying updates to the manager, Michael Woodward. When flight attendant Amy Sweeney made the air phone calls to the American Airlines manager, Michael Woodward, she did not use her credit card to make the call. A credit card would have been needed to use the earphone. The official story records that Madeline Amy Sweeney calmly reported on her line that the plane had been hijacked. A man in the first class had his throat slashed. Two flight attendants had been stabbed. One was seriously hurt and one was on oxygen, while the other wounds seemed minor. A doctor had been requested. The flight attendants were unable to contact the cockpit, and there was a bomb in the cockpit. Sweeney told Woodward that she and Ong were trying to relay as much information as they could to people on the ground. According to Michael Woodward, Sweeney told him, Something is wrong. We are on a rapid descent. We are all over the place. We are flying low. We are flying very, very low. We are flying way too low. Oh my God. We are way too low. According to 9-11 Commission report, Boston Center did not follow the protocol in seeking military assistance through the prescribed chain of command. In addition to the notifications within the FAA, Boston Center took the initiative at 8.34 a.m. to contact the military through the FAA's Cape Cod's facility. At 8.37.52 seconds, FAA's Boston Center Traffic Management Unit contacted the Northeast Air Defense Sector, NEEDS. We have a problem here. We have a hijacked aircraft headed towards New York, and we need you guys to... We need someone to scramble, some F-16s or something up there. Help us out. The person at Needs then asked, Is this real world or exercise? No, Boston Center responded. This is no exercise, not a test. At 8.38 a.m., Nydia Gonzalez was told by Betty Ong that the plane was flying erratically again. They're in coach, Gonzalez told Marquise. What's going on, honey? Okay, the aircraft is erratic again, Gonzalez told Marquise, bobbing very erratically. She did say that all the first-class passengers had been moved back to coach so the first-class cabin is empty. Flight 11 then turned south. While all this was happening, Craig Marquise contacted air traffic control and told them, they're going to handle this as a confirmed hijacking, so they're moving all the traffic out of the aircraft's way. He turned his transponder off, so we don't have a definitive altitude for him. So we don't have a definitive altitude for him. We're just going by. They seem to think that they have him on primary radar. They seem to think that he's descending. Gonzalez then told Marquis, Betty doesn't have any idea who the other passenger might be in first. Apparently, they might have spread something so it's they're having a hard time breathing or getting in that area. What's going on, Betty? Betty, talk to me. Betty, are you there? Betty, I think we may have lost her. Nydia Gonzalez lost contact with Betty Ong at 8.44 a.m. Michael Woodward reportedly lost contact with Amy Sweeney soon after. Also at 8.44 Also at 8.44 an airplane identified in transcripts as USA 583 picked up on ELT, emergency locator transmitter, on 121.5. It was brief, but it went off. Okay, R42 responded. They said it's confirmed, believe it or not, as a thing. We're not sure yet, 
so we're still trying going on another aircraft. Right now, and they're trying to see what altitude he's at. Another aircraft picked up an ELT. A separate aircraft, DAL-2433, also picked up an ELT too, but it was very faint. At 8.46.40 a.m., Flight 11 hit the North Tower of the World Trade Center. According to the 9-11 Commission, Needs ordered to battle stations the two F-15 alert aircraft at Otis Air Force Base in Falmouth, Massachusetts, 153 miles away from New York City. Battle Commander Colonel Robert Marr then called Major General Larry Arnold, Commanding General at the Air Force and NORAD's Continental Region, who told Colonel Marr to scramble the F-16s. The two jets were scrambled at 8.46 a.m. from Otis Air Force Base. Radar data shows that the Otis fires were airborne at 8.53. Lacking a target, they were vectored towards military-controlled airspace off of Long Island's coast. To avoid New York-area air traffic and uncertain about what to do, the fires were brought down to military airspace to hold as needed. From 9.09 to 9.13, the Otis fires stayed in the holding pattern. This has been What is Truth? 9-11 Written by Greg Fernandez Jr. Narrated by Ryan Berry. Copyright by Greg Fernandez Jr. Production copyright by Greg Fernandez Jr.